changes come today. I don't know much about you, maybe, but I know one thing. When this day is done, you're going to be one day's different than you were when this day started. For better, for worse, you're going to change. So let's make it for better. Let's ask God. Change starts today. I'm wearing these sunglasses right now, and I love to wear them. They're a gift from somebody who knows me quite well and uh, knows that if I pick stuff out, it's not going to look very stylish, and he's got a much better sense of style than I do. He also knows, though, that I lose sunglasses all the time. And so these cost just exactly the right amount, enough so that it's more stylish than what I would usually pick out at the gas station, but cheap enough so that when I lose it, and I will lose it, I won't feel deep regret. When I wear them, I feel seen. I feel like somebody knows me and cares about me, and that's a great thing. But I'm not going to wear them here. And of course, the reason for that is because a face is such an important thing. And an awful lot of uh, how we're able to know someone is from their face. In the Gospel of Mark, we're told about one time when Jesus was talking to a man who became known as a rich young ruler and challenged him on the financial front to a life of greater generosity. And we're told that when the rich young ruler walked away, his face fell. Now, what does that mean that his face fell? Obviously, it does not mean that all of the features dropped off his head and onto the ground. It it means that uh, in his face, he reflected a desolation or deep disappointment or deep sadness in his spirit, in his inner life. Our face reveals our inner life. That's why it's such a precious thing. It doesn't say his elbow fell or his knee fell, his face fell. Or on the other side of this, in Psalm 104, the psalmist is talking about celebration God gives wine to gladden the heart of human beings and and bread, food for us to be able to eat and oil to anoint the head. And he says, to make the face shine. What's a shining face? It's fascinating that someone is experiencing a deep sense of the emotion of love. Researchers say that the capillaries actually grow closer to the surface of the skin. And that's part of why we'll say, like when somebody's getting married, the word to describe them is that they are radiant. That is a shining face. Now, this ability to look at someone's face or to listen to what's going on in the tone of their voice or to read their body language and to be able to see them, to know them, to get them, to discern their inner life, this is a character strength. People in the field of research will call it social intelligence. We might think about it as people intelligence. Researchers will sometimes distinguish between what is called cold intelligence, ability to do math well, cold calculating reason, versus what they would call hot intelligence. And that is to deal with emotions and deal with feelings and recognize motives. It's coming in hot. You got to be able to deal with it in real time when it's coming in. So this capacity to be able to look at other people and to be aware of, to discern what are their emotions, what are they feeling? Has their face fallen or is their face shining? And then to be able to navigate a relationship with them well, that's called social intelligence. And then a part of that is to be able to be aware of my own feelings and to be able to manage my own feelings, my own disappointment or boredom or impulses. Well, that's also part of social intelligence. And of course, I'm not going to be able to be aware of other people's inner life if I'm not aware of my own life. And one of the big problems is research indicates 
Self-estimated intellectual abilities do not lie in a close relationship to actual intellectual abilities. We all tend to overestimate our ability to be able to read other people, our levels of social intelligence. And that's an enormous problem. But the good news is it can be cultivated. And you might remember, we've talked about in the Bible, the story of Joseph and how when he was a young man, he was actually, I think, quite spectacularly low on the social intelligence spectrum. In um, Genesis, I think it's 37, uh, his brothers see. Now, his brothers are able to see. We're all able to see some stuff. We vary a lot in this. Fascinating. A little five-year-old kid, you can ask them questions like, um, who do you like to play with? Who do you work well with? Who would you want to sit with more? And then a teacher can write what's called a sociogram, where you have each child represented in a picture, and then you draw the connections. Um, she's a friend with him. They're not connected with this person. Um, there are some five-year-olds who have an ability to be able to give an accurate sociogram. Yep, they're friends, they're friends, they're friends. He's not a friend. And then others who are really, really not good at doing it at all. And Joseph was not good at doing it. And so his brothers can see that Joseph's dad, Jacob, loves Joseph more than Jacob loves them. And of course, they're torn by jealousy and hurt. But Joseph is apparently blind to this and is not terribly self-aware either because he tells twice about these dreams that he has that are very grandiose where he's in charge of everybody and that actually increases their pain. But he uh, gives no indication that he sees what they're feeling and no indication that he cares what they're feeling. How different that story might have turned out if he would have just seen, if he would have asked questions. And I think about some of my greatest regrets in relationships are in moments of conversations that I will never have back again, where I might have responded differently instead of responding out of my own emotion and asked a question. Tell me more. Just that question. Tell me more. And I'm haunted by how certain things might have worked out differently if I would have. We fast forward in Joseph's life. He is sold into slavery. And then he has to learn how to read people. If he's going to survive, he has to be able to read Potiphar and be able to read Potiphar's wife and be able to read the jailer when he's thrown in the jailer. Until eventually in Genesis chapter 40, we're told about uh, two other characters that are in jail. And one day the text says they'd had a dream the night before that was troubling. Joseph saw that they were dejected. Joseph has learned to read faces. He has learned to see. And he asks them, why are you sad? And that's the beginning of a whole upward movement in the life of Joseph and in the life of God's people. So the invitation today is to be a student, to ask God to help you cultivate uh, intelligence of your own inner life and of that of the people around you. And I want to give us a couple of moments to do that together right now. I'm going to give you an exercise, kind of a combination from a book by our friend David Carrion. It's not out yet, but it will be pretty soon. It's a wonderful book. It's called The Opposite of Depression. Great title. And it's an exercise to, to become aware of emotional reality. I'm combining this a little bit with the prayer of examen, of self-examination from St. Ignatius, because they turn out to be very related. So take a moment right now, if you 
uh, are sitting someplace where you can do it, you might want to get a pen, piece of paper, otherwise just reflect in your mind. Recognize, God, you're right here right now. In the beauty of this place, God, your face is shining on me. And I thank you for that. And then take a couple of moments. Ignatius believed that part of how God speaks to us is in what he called interior movements. That is, strong feelings, excitement, or joy, or fear, or guilt, or worry. So take a moment to reflect on your day yesterday and think about any event that produced a strong emotion in you. You might have been confused, or frustrated, or angry, or sad, or afraid, or joyful, or excited, or positive, or confident, or grateful. Take a moment to reflect on that event and on what it is that you experienced. Um, you might even want to look, David says, at a list of emotion words if you're uh, uh, always, not always aware of what your emotions are. And then write down or think about what are some of the things that led up to those emotions? What did somebody say? Or what did you read in that email? Or, uh, or were the things that contributed to that? Were you already feeling lonely? Or were you tired because you hadn't slept much the night before? Or were you hungry? Are the things in your life that maybe you want to change to put yourself in a better position for inner life? And then think about the consequences of that emotion. In particular, how it uh, affected your relationship with and experience with God. Did this emotion, God, lead me closer to you? Did it make me want to follow you more? Did it cause me to trust you more? Did it help me surrender? Did it give me confidence? Or did this emotion lead me farther away from you? Did it cause me to be filled with doubt? Did it leave me with a kind of uh, pain or regret that didn't lead to change, to uh, positive stuff, but just kind of a spiral of rumination and obsession. And then ask God, is there anything that you want me to do in light of this emotion, in light of this feeling? And God, would you now lead me towards you? My friend Rick told me a great sentence that I wrote it down. See if I can find it real quick. I think it was from Martin Seligman initially. And it was just this. If you find yourself thinking, I don't really want to look at my inner life because I'd rather not know what's going on inside there. And I get that. Here's the sentence. Generally speaking, hard feelings will elapse. Now that's a gift from God. The psalm puts it like this. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Generally, feeling, generally speaking, hard feelings will elapse. So God, today, would you reveal to me all the truth that I can handle about my own emotions, about my, so that I don't keep being clumsy and blundering with other people. And then would you help me to notice the faces around me? Make me a faceologist today so that I can mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Change starts today. Hey, it's Tim. I'm the producer here at Become New. 
I wanted to let you know, if you'd like more resources or teaching from John, you can find it at our website, becomenew.com. Also, if you'd like to receive a text alert or the daily email that goes along with each video, let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. There's a group of us who meet each weekday, Monday through Friday, to pray over requests that are sent in from listeners. And so you can text us your prayer requests at the number 855-888-0444. We'll catch you next time.